Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Free kick for Atleti. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a, a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Do some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros a decent base in the United States as well following the action on ESPN Plus give them a follow at Into the Calder Welcome back to Colch Narrow Chat, part of the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network on the uh, Fans First Sports Network. I'm Jeremy Barron, and I'm joined today by my good friend Alan Dodson, and we're going to be talking about all things Atletico Madrid and Villarreal. Those two teams match up at the Metropolitano on Sunday night. Alan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. A, a bit a bit bemused. It's been a busy morning in Villarreal. <laughs> We've uh, parted ways with yet another coach, yeah. and uh, I can't say I'm. I can't say I'm looking forward to Sunday's match with a great deal of confidence. Well, I, I am for sure looking forward to our conversation, and I, I guess from the Atletico point of view, it does make Sunday's match uh, even more interesting as to how the two teams are going to approach it. As as you mentioned, Alan, before just shortly before we started recording, we got the news that Villarreal have indeed parted ways with. Head coach Pacheta, the second permanent manager of the season, he has gone after just twelve games. Uh, what was your reaction to the sacking? What went wrong with Pacheta? Um, and tell us about who's going to be in charge on Sunday. Well, I think the I think the to take those and hopefully that order. Um, I think my reaction was. I think everybody knew he was a, a dead man walking. Um, I don't. I. I don't think it was the appropriate job for him. Frankly, I don't think he was a great, great fit. But I don't think the. Um, I don't think the players played particularly well under him. And the, the um, Europa League match, the the match against um, Maccabi Haifa in um, Cyprus. I mean, here we were playing a team that has really not practiced for a month <laughs> because yeah. of because of the the war, and and you're playing in a in a ground neutral site with no fans, um, and we were losing one nil after eighty minutes, and we only won two to one because we had a couple of players who seemed to care, and frankly, the Israeli side was very tired. I mean, as you can imagine, when you haven't practiced or been able to work together for a month. So I don't think anything that came out of that uh, changed in anybody's mind about Pacheta. Um, let's see. 
Uh, I think the real issue, though, is that there's clearly something um, more problematic behind the scenes. It's not just a situation where the team isn't playing well under one manager. I mean, Setian didn't get much out of this group either. And there are some bigger questions, I think, about what exactly is going on in the in the locker room and and what what exactly our transfer policy during the summer um, what what effect that's had on it. So the rumor is that Marcelino is going to be hired to come back and 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 uh, and coach full time. But on the um, the match on Sunday is going to be our sporting director in charge. Um, Michael Angel Tena, 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 I can't remember if it's got a, and he's, um, I think he coached Rossing Ferrol in 2015. I mean, he, he has had some managerial experience, but he's not, you know, he's very definitely a, a caretaker for this, for this game. And of course we go on to an, an international break after it. And I think everybody's feeling in Villarreal, um, is that we wouldn't have we would have kept Pacheta in place probably on Sunday if we didn't have somebody already lined up. So yeah, yeah. And with Marcelino's spell at Marseille lasting all of what six games, seven games, he's now back yeah. in the market and available yeah. to return to Villarreal. It's interesting though because if I recall, Alan, uh, his previous stint in charge at La Ceramica did not end uh, on particularly good terms with the president. Yeah. I mean, one of the things about following a, um, a small Spanish club from thousands of miles away is you, you know, you don't get the whole story and, and it's never really come out. But I think that there did seem to be a rapprochement though. Um, when at the funeral for, for Senor Janeza, our longtime um, front office person who basically was the guy who brought Senor Roish into the, into the, um, to the, by the team. Um, Marcelino was, was there and there seemed to be some sort of rapport, um, developed and that, that sort of, um, bridged whatever there was. At the time, um, I guess there were two things that, that were, that were mentioned, but I think the first one, which was that we were playing a meaningless match at the end of the season against Sporting Gijon, yeah, um, and Marcelino from Asturias, yeah, I mean that I suppose, but that's not that sort of thing happens all the time, and frankly, we weren't very motivated. I mean, there's no there's no way we would have been. I think the bigger issue was the whole handling of um, Musaccio and because he wanted to play for, we had this whole thing where he wanted to, to play elsewhere after years with us. He wanted to go to Milan and Milan kept showing up and saying they wanted him, but not having money. And, and uh, then apparently there was some, uh, uh, Marcelino basically said he wouldn't discipline, um, uh, Masaccio, but then he did or something like that. So it, you know, it ended up being kind of a, a very divisive um, dressing room thing. And that was really what, what led to it. But, you know, no question. He's an, he's a, he's an excellent coach for several years. He's, he is, um, he kind of takes Emery's control freak in a different way because <laughs> Marcelino is all about, um, 
he's Emery would would you know focus on the opponents and understanding them totally and preparing a master plan for the game. Marcelino wants to game plan your life. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, he 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 really he's a he really is um, is is uh, a fitness. You know, wants to emphasize fitness, good good eating habits, all that stuff. You you really are um, you you really know you're going to get somebody who's going to micromanage a lot of things, but maybe that's what we need right now. I mean, I I think the uh, one of the things that's very noteworthy is that our players, many of them, are just not very fit, and. I mean, I don't know how to put it any, any better than that. When you when you watch us play and we're only and we're walking up the pitch, that doesn't really give you great confidence. Well, and it's a prime reason now why Villarreal find themselves 13th in the table entering this game, just five points uh, from the drop, three wins from 12, mm-hmm. one only twice in La Liga under Pacheta. So it, it will be fascinating to see. Uh, if and when the Marcelino deal gets done. Uh, you know, that was my first thought when Pacheta was dismissed this morning is that, well, you know, Marcelino is available again. I guess that's what they're going to do. Yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I think the fan base is going to be really upset if it is somebody else. But I think the fact that the, that the firing was announced this morning probably indicates that something is happening with Marcelino because no, no other names have been mentioned, so... We'll see. And, you know, I also uh, haven't thought of uh, Matteo Masaccio in, in quite a while. He was a really good center back on his day. He was. He was. You know, he, he that um, injury that he got, though, against Barcelona, wasn't it? A really bad injury, um, ankle break or something. Yeah. He never really recovered from that that well. But he was he was one of these – he was a player like, um, like um, Samu Chukweze who – you know, you felt he'd been with Villarreal forever, and then you, but but he started when he was so young, and so he still had some years ahead of him. But I, I don't know if he's playing anywhere now. I think he, I think he retired. Maybe yeah, he last played at Lazio in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, he's he was. Um, uh, I think he was a very good. He was a very good center back for us because he worked with a lot of he worked pretty well with a lot of different players and he could be you could have somebody who was less mobile working with him and and of course he was um, you know he was part of some very successful teams for mm-hmm. us you know two Europa League semifinalist clubs so that was you know he was a good player um, I was thinking about the the players who who we still have who worked under Marcelino um Gerard Moreno did in the Segunda and then um and uh let's see Parejo worked under him at Valencia yes and um also Dennis Suarez mm-hmm. worked under him um for for Villarreal so you know there, there's some there are definitely some players that that he knows um I I just think the big <laughs> The big issues for Virial so far this year have been. We were talking before you started about the the coaching um, carousel at Virial has been. We've had um, a few coaches who who lasted 
more than a couple of years, but only a few. Um, Emory actually lasting a little more than two, two and two and into October of the third. Um, and Marcelino, I think, was there three years, and Pellegrini for five. But everybody else, we've had we've had these people who came in. They stabilized the club, but then during the summer, when they got to theoretically impose more of their desires on the team, then they never finished the next year. And I think we sort of, the, the seeds of this were, we saw with Setian because he was a kind of a surprise hire out of out of nowhere, as he said, I, I was basically sitting back watching my cows. <laughs> he was on his farm. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he um, was really surprised and came in. And to his credit, he, I mean, there were aspects of his football that were that were maddening. But but it was fun to watch, as as you remember from the last match of the season last year, the two two draw with you guys where I mean that was just an incredibly fun match to watch because Setia was all about attack 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 and we um, left ourselves open at the back and God knows what but it was kind of entertaining but then during the summer it just didn't seem as though he was particularly engaged the, the, the preseason was pretty much a disaster it didn't Several look like losses. yeah yeah and it just didn't look like it, it didn't look like there was any real plan or that the team was really working hard to train and and get in shape for the new season and then once once the season started um his results weren't very weren't very good um i think and and pacheta he's a nice guy i think everybody that's met him you know likes him I just think he's probably he may not be ready for that level of Primera expectation, but it it was one of those hires that I guess if it if it if it worked, if you caught lightning in a bottle, you know, great. But clearly he didn't, and it didn't seem like I can't think of anybody who who was really playing better under him than under Sejan. So yeah. And that's the big issue is that there there was no yeah. real discernible yeah. improvement. Yeah, the other the other issue for us though is that I mean I mean I think this team is only going to go as far this season as Gerard and uh, Sorloth can take us because when we've won matches and we've won a couple that we probably didn't deserve to win against teams that are below us in the table. Um, it's been, you know, um, 85 minutes of, of horribleness and then a great play from one of them to, <laughs> to score. <laughs> you know, it just hasn't been, we haven't played, there hasn't been a, a match in a while where you can, where you can watch it and say, oh yeah, we played really well. I mean, we just haven't. The, the midfield is, especially the, the, the pivot, is not it's 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 like everybody there has gotten old at the same time and we haven't really replaced them um we've had injuries too um on the on the wings that, that haven't helped but defensively we've been a nightmare and 
I think that's the, it's, it's astonishing to see how far we've fallen defensively since Emory, because, you know, under him, it's like we knew if we had a one nil lead, we were going to win. Mm-hmm. And, and we went through a period where we didn't allow a goal from a, from a set piece for over a year, I think. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, that was pretty amazing. And, and, it, and since then, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've really struggled defensively. Um, again, Paul Torres being sold to Aston Villa, we didn't really, we didn't really reinforce the position. Um, we're, we're dealing with a goalkeeper, uh, our, um, young goalkeeper who is, he's had some very good games and he's had some not so very good games. As a I 21 year old goalkeeper is, as is expected, yeah, a goalkeeper. That's right. Age. And so, and so you really look at it and you think, boy, you know, the midfield is just, we're not controlling midfield. We're defensively, um, uh, not doing very well. And we, and frankly, when you look at our, at our talent in at the center back position, it's like, there's nobody that really stands out. So, you know, putting a 21 year old goalkeeper in the position that he's been in, he's, he's probably doing about, I would say he's actually doing better than expected overall. That doesn't mean he won't have a couple of bad games, but he's also had some very good ones. Um, but you can't, you can't win that way consistently. And I, and when I look at the table, it's like, I'm afraid I have to say we're about where we should be. Well, because, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, because we just, we don't have any, um, there hasn't been a real consistent game plan and there hasn't been, um, there just hasn't been a lot of ability to control a match. And, you know, historically, that's what Virial has always done. You know, we, we dominate possession. We work, you know, we, we really do push up and try to make plays. Um, and this group just hasn't, I think a lot of it is that the age in the midfield um, is really, is really, um, I think, a telling factor. But also we have, we're, we're just getting exposed far too much at the back where our, where our defenders are, are retreating instead of making a play to win the ball back they're they're in full retreat and uh we just don't have the the ability to make that quick turnover again that we used to mm-hmm. so I mean, you look you know, at his midfield Capu is 35 Parejo is gonna be 35 Manu Chagueros mm-hmm. is 32 uh Raul Albiol is still going strong at 38 years old in defense mm-hmm well, go, he's still going, but he's Maybe not playing. As he's much. going. <laughs> yeah, he's not playing as much as he used to. He can't. Yeah, and and we we just don't have that. Um, we don't we don't have anybody who's who's really able to win the ball back in midfield that that well, and that's something that we've we've typically always had, whether it was um, you know Capu or or Ibora or. Um, or, you know, going back to Bruno Soriano, you know, those, those, um, those sorts of, of, um, midfielders who could, who could basically 
stop a counterattack before it really got going. And it just seems like now we're far too open. And that doesn't help us when you don't have really great one-on-one defenders at the back. Well, I'd say the good news, the silver lining for Villarreal on Sunday, Alan, is that Alexander Sorloff does love a goal against Atletico. It feels like he scores against us every time he plays, whether it's with uh, Real Sociedad or now with Villarreal. So we will see if mm-hmm. if, if Atletico's defense can can contain him. He, he's he's going to be he's 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 actually been fun to watch because he's so unpredictable. I, you know, it's like you. You see him, and sometimes he has the ball at his feet, and you think he's going to step on it. And then sometimes he he will get the like one of the matches recently. You know, he gets he gets the ball, makes a little move, and then un- unleashes a world class goal from outside the box. You just never know. Um, I think it's it's interesting that he's he's the one player we sort of spent some money on this summer and he's, he's been, he's been very good. Um, he is of course the kind of striker who can go missing in the match for a long time because he's not, he, you, he needs some, he needs some service, but he can, he can, he can score. Um, Gerard is, I think if he, as long as he can stay healthy with all of his injury, um, his muscle pulls and things, but if when he's healthy, he's great. And he's, an, he's always been a, a player who works very well to set up mm-hmm. another, another um, striker. So I think he and Sorloth are, are a good team that way. Um, but yeah, you know, you got, you got this Griezmann fellow. I, I hear he's pretty good. I mean, he, he was only the 21st best player in the world, I guess. Jeez. But <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I kind of think you might have an advantage there with him. I mean, um, on, uh, certainly on paper, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, it's hard to say. I think I think the thing is it's going to it's it's going to be weird for for the team because they're clearly, you know, whoever is coming in is going to take over and do things differently obviously our caretaker manager is going to have like one day of training with the team and that's about it so i i think it's going to be pretty much maybe a few players auditioning for for bigger roles it'll it'll be interesting to see because there have been some players who have i mean capu and um and parejo have both been the the two starting um, in the center of midfield, and I'm wondering if that's that might change. Um, that's because I don't. I think playing the two of them together, at least as they've been physically this year, just isn't working. Yeah, and so, I, I want to circle back and talk about some of the transfers that these two clubs made and how perhaps they're emblematic of where La Liga is financially at this point in time, and perhaps where it has been in in recent years. But we can. I wanted to say this is we can contrast uh, Villarreal's instability on the touchline with um, with Diego Simeone and Atletico El Cholo getting a, a brand new contract yesterday, a, a three year renewal, uh, taking him through the 2026-27 season. If fulfilled, he will have been on Atletico's touchline for 15 full seasons, which is just staggering yeah. even to to think about. And now it is pro- possible, if not probable. Yeah, 
Well, I have a I have a trivia question for you. I looked this up because oh, I was yeah. thinking. Yes. So if, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember do you remember the match before that got it was Manzano, right? The, the match that got him fired. Yes. Yeah. That was the loss to Albacete, mm-hmm. right, in the Copa yeah. del Rey. At the same time. The Real fired their coach, Juan Carlos Garrido, after we lost to Mirandes in that same Copa del Rey round. And we each hired a coach within about a day of each other. Simeone has been there, as you say, you know, if he fulfills his contract, it'll have been 15 years. How many times has Villarreal hired a coach since Simeone was hired at Atleti, do you think? <laughs> oh, I love questions like this. I'm going to go with 10 coaches. You're very well. You're you're very close, and you might be technically right because the the number is eleven going on twelve. But we did hire the same guy twice. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And if it's more so, if it's Marcelino coming back, then it will be ten different coaches and twelve hires. So very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it does show, and and Virial is not necessarily that much more unstable than. A lot of other La Liga sides. So I mean, just look I at think the number of coaches Valencia have hired, for example, <laughs> in the region. Yeah, but, but they keep they keep they keep counting Voro as, as the interim coach every time. So. How many times has Voro taken over? Like half a dozen times in the last. Like, yeah, 10 I think years? so. <laughs> yeah, I think something like that. So yeah, I think it's you know managerial instability is a th- is a thing in Spain, and so the and so the fact that that Simeone has been there as long as he has is really even more remarkable. And, and the other thing is, it's not like, I mean, when he was hired, he had, he obviously had some managerial experience, but nothing in Spain. And he hadn't exactly set the world alight in, in some of his previous work. So, you know, <laughs> you look at it now and you're, and you're like, well, it's a match made in heaven or, or something, but at the time, how do you know? Yeah, and he wasn't even really the first choice to take over. He was available, and that's why they offered him the job. And it was only for eighteen months, and now he's signed seven contract renewals since twenty thirteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you know, he's he's going to be. I mean, when you think about Atleti, you know, you're, you're he will always you'll always think of him. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, just, it's just he is the club. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think that for us, I I don't expect us to get anything out of this match. I have to say, um, just because I think the whole I don't know where the where the players' heads will be. I don't know what is going on behind the scenes. Um, I hope we play well. I hope we try to make a make a good showing um but i i would be very surprised if we could get anything out of this match given w- when it's happening and atletico have also won 16 consecutive games at home oh well you know there, there is that there little is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there yeah i know but so i think i think it's going to be um I, I was looking back i think the series actually is very close i think I think um, maybe Atleti have won one more match over the years than Villarreal, but it's very close, and the, and the goals are very close too. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was realizing that 
there have not been many blowouts. There, I think there have been a couple of 3-0 wins from, I think you guys have maybe had two and we maybe have one, something like that. So it's generally been pretty tight. And when I, and when, when we think of Atleti Virial the last, oh, I don't know, the last six, seven years, um, it's always those sorts of really, you know, nerve-wracking 1-1, 2-2, matches that could go either way. Yeah, there have so, been three 2-2s in the last four meetings. Yes. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I think that's – if I'm going to hold out hope for something, I think it would be hope – I think it would be that. But I think it's going to be – it's going to be very difficult. Plus, you know, plus you got Cholo just signed a new contract. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's going to be a positive thing for the, for the team too. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I, you know, so I'm just, I think it's going to be a tough match for us. I'll be interested to see what our lineup is partly because I think that might tell us something about what's going on behind the scenes because Obviously, our coach on Sunday is somebody who has the ear of of the of the president, and so I'll be curious to see if anybody in particular is dropped or if anybody is comes in to play. Could it mean a, a start for one uh, Ben Brereton Diaz, Allen, who has made only a handful of appearances since coming over from Blackburn? Yeah, maybe. I think that I th- I think I think it would be really interesting to start him. Um, the thing about if it is Marcelino, if it's hired, Diaz, Brereton Diaz is probably the kind of player who you would like because he runs, mm-hmm. right? He's running, he's running into spaces. And part of the problems that he's, that he's had with, with Virial so far is that we're not really playing that way. We're, we're, we're trying to play the ball to Sorloff and, and Gerard. We're not running forward with um you know diagonal balls from midfield so much as we used to we're kind of trying to play down the wings and then and then cross it to Sorloth or something like that so I think yeah Diaz I think it would be really nice if he got got a start um I think it would be interesting to see him um Ramon Tarats is a player who we had uh, who we bought last year mm-hmm. and he he was reasonably good, but then he hasn't really seen much playing time um, this year, and there's been a lot some grumbling about that. Um, but we're also going to be limited by injuries because I I think we're still without um, we're still without uh, Juan Foyth and we're still without um, Pedraza, and those are two those are two big misses because those are two of our better harder working defensive players. I mean, Foyth is a, is a good one-on-one shut you down defender on the, on the right as a right back. And so I think we'll, I think we'll see what happens. I, I'm really curious to see how the team is put together. Um, Historically, we've we've always played a four four two. That changed a little bit under Sechian. We went to a four three three, and Pacheta. I'm not quite sure what we were doing, but it it, it kind of varied. Um, Marcelino is a strict four four two guy. Yep. So if if we 
line up in a 4-4-2 on Sunday, that might give us a little indication of what we're thinking. Um, Interesting. Well, the only problem with that is that Sorloff and Gerard were probably work better in something a little different, but but I think that, you know I think it, it can work, but it's going to need it's going to need some um, it's going to need a lot of tinkering in midfield I think and um, and getting the best out of players who uh, Sorloff, Gerard, Alex Baena who is kind of a he was very passionate, sometimes too passionate, too passionate on the pitch. Yes, I was but, just going to say. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's like, you know, we should start running a, a pool on when he's going to get his yellow card, right? But, but I mean, he, but he does, he, he does really work hard and he's got an excellent shot from outside the box. He does. And, and, so, yeah. and so those kind of things, I think, I think he's a player that, that Marcelino could, or whoever could, could really, could really use. Um, it's just been very disappointing so far that we haven't gotten much out of Brereton Diaz. We haven't got much out of um, Santi Comasanya, who we signed from um, Rio. And Dennis Suarez has been injured, but hasn't done much either. I mean, these were all guys that we picked up for free. Right. Um, where their contracts were expiring. And maybe this is the thing to t- time to mention that, you know, I think one of the things we've seen is that the, between the, the financial fair play rules and even more, I think the Spanish league's um, salary caps, I think they're really starting to pinch the teams like Virial now. Yeah. Um, Senior Raj said, and I, you know, I think this is it's certainly true, is that when you're trying to, we we have a twenty five thousand seat stadium, and we and we rarely sell it out. Maybe we get twenty thousand on average, say. Um, that's pretty. You're, you're giving away a lot of gate money compared to Atleti, Barcelona. Um, Real Madrid, even Betis, Sevilla, and and um, and our neighbors down the road in Valencia. I mean, they all, they all have bigger grounds, and they all have a bigger fan base and and more money coming in there. And you know, if you if you're trying to if you're trying to to make up that money, it basically does mean you're going to be a selling club, um, and that's kind of been our been our story having said that it's still surprising to me that we reinvested so little of what we of what we got from our sales so 12 and a half million euros worth of 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 transfer spend over the summer mm-hmm. compared to uh two players leaving for over 30 million in nico jackson and pao torres samuel going to Milan. You, you got a good fee for Dia, who was not going to be of really any use to Villarreal. Um, and Danjuma is, you know, more or less off the books. Well, he's still on loan, though. We haven't... Oh, he's, yeah, we, he's still on loan. Jeez. We, he's still on loan. We've got to... Um, he's got to do well enough, or he's got to play enough and do well enough somewhere that we... That you can actually get him off the we, books. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, Dia is like... 
this is the thing that I think is is troubling to a lot of us who have watched Virial for a long time, is that we've had some players that have come through that we look at later and say, wait, we could have really used that player. And Dia, I think, was one of those. Um, he would, you remember how um, Cedric Bakambu was under Marcelino, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a star. Star. And Dia, if we, I mean, if we had been, he wasn't a great fit for us at the time because he was, he was, um, a, uh, we were not playing that sort of counterattacking style. Um, so we, we brought him in and then immediately, oh, this isn't what we wanted. And it's a bit like Anas Unal, who, um, you will remember scoring against you guys. I sure but that, was virtually, that was virtually one of the only things he did for us, <laughs> <laughs> because he was not—he was not the kind of—he didn't fit into the the style of play that we that we have. But it, but it was like at the time we thought, oh, we can get this guy and develop him and sell him off, sell him back to Man City for whatever the whatever the term was, and and it didn't happen because. He, he didn't really flourish in our system. And those sorts of things, I think, are you can miss like that when you're a big club and you have money to spend. But for us, it's hard. Um, I, I think we still feel the it's like we've done a couple of those deals where we where we oh, this is a great chance to pick up this guy who who just needs a change of scenery to to flourish or a great chance to pick up this guy who can be a star and we can develop him and sell him on for, on for more money. And it hasn't always worked. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's it, it never always works. Yeah. It never always works, but you've got to, you've got to sometimes say, um, you know, if you're, if you're a small club or smaller club, you have less ability to absorb the hits. And we've had a couple of hits. Um, I think that that have really that really affected us. Um, so you know, um, it's. I mean, I I think that as I look at it, I think the the, re, the reality is this season we need to rebuild uh, um, confidence in ourselves. We need to rebuild the the um, playing style. If we can do something in Europe, I think that would get the fan base pretty excited. Um, but I think La Liga is going to be a tough one this year for us because we're we're too far back, I think, to really challenge for the top five or six at this point. Yeah, eight points behind Betis in sixth, seven behind La Real, who are in seventh, at least for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it and it's really, I mean, I have to say, I don't think the league overall is necessarily as strong as it has been in many years, in some years. But I think Girona and La Real are certainly two teams that are playing quite well, really fun to watch. Um, really happy for Alex Garcia, who came up in the Villarreal system and just got his first call up to the Spanish national team mm-hmm. playing for Girona, you know. And is one of the very best midfielders La Liga has to offer now. Mm-hmm. And as I say, it's like we sold him. We sold him off, and he's as a youngster. 
He's developed very well. I sure wish we had him now. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he's the exact kind of midfielder that a, a, an aging, you know, center of the pitch a, 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 as Virial have. You know, an aging midfielders that they have. He's exactly the kind of creative mid twenties presence they could use. Yeah, I think the thing that I think the thing that sort of hurt us with him, and and the thing that's kind of been an issue anyway is you know sometimes particular. Canteras get really good at developing certain styles of players, and I think in our case, it's really the it's really the creative attacking midfielders. <coughs> and when you look at it, you have you had um, Trigueros, who who at the time was was obviously younger than he is now, um, but you also had um, you also had Baena coming up. You had um, Jeremy coming up we had a couple other um midfielders coming up and it's and and um Girona has another guy Yvonne Martin who came up on our system and mm-hmm. we sold him to them I hope there's a buyback clause I don't know but you know we um we've developed a lot of good attacking midfielders and we just don't have room to play them all I mean no team does yeah. so I think I think in some ways you, you're sort of at that state where you got to a certain point and you say, well, wait a minute, I've got three players for two positions or three players for one position. And you can't, you can't hold on to your riches <laughs> um, unless you're Chelsea and you loan them out to all over the world. And, you know, but we can't do that. Sign them to eight year contracts. Yeah. <laughs> as, as they gave Nico. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I, 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 I think in some ways we're a victim of numbers there. I think um, we have not been great historically at developing center backs in our Cantera system. That's one of the things that was special about Pau Torres mm-hmm. was, you know, not only was he a, you know, native of the town, but he was, he was a really a, a center back that we, that we developed in our system, you know, and when we've brought up players, center backs, from the Cantera, generally they haven't done that well. So he was kind of the the unique one there. So you know, it's it, it's always easy to look and see what you could have what what it could have been, but you never know. I mean, you you just never do. Um, I think the I think the thing this year is what I want to see with whoever comes in to coach is. I just want to see us develop a consistent playing style and, and have more passion and fitness on the pitch than we've had the first few months. Yeah, I think that's been the most concerning thing from an out, from an outside point of view. Watching Villarreal struggle this year is that what, what's the playing style? What's the vision? What's the identity? And for mm-hmm. as you said, for so long Villarreal had this identity as a team that's going to dominate possession. They're going to bring players through. Uh, exciting players who they're going to attack the ball um I, I was going to ask you about Jeremy Pino as well is he any closer to coming back from that hamstring injury uh not sure I don't think we'll see him on Sunday I think I, I would be very surprised because I think with the international break they're going to want to just wait just wait yeah he's well. yeah he's Jeremy is kind of he's going to be an interesting um the remainder of the season is going to be interesting for him because he's going to, he's, you know, got a lot of people excited about him 
but then he has had some injuries and he's also sort of faded in and out of of matches and and again partly that has to do with how he's how he's being used and and just the general what was going what's going on around him but you know i think he's a player who if if he could put it if he can come back strong in the second half of the season would help us yeah um yeah, you because know, I think I think we're going to have to score a bunch of goals because I don't <laughs> I don't think our our defense is going to be that um, uh, unless we can unless we go out in January and spend some money on on some on some center backs. I think we have what we have. Um, if we can get one fourth back, if we can get Pedraza um, healthy, that'll help us. Um, that'll help us on the on the. Um, edges of the defense but um yeah i think we really i just i just want to see some sense of what our playing style is um if somebody like marcelino comes in the playing style will change but it's a very definite playing style right um and and it can do there there will be some players who benefit from it and others who don't but i think one thing for sure is you'll know what we're trying to do even if we don't always do it well at least she'll be doing it, right? And, and it is surprising to see that Villarreal have conceded the third most goals in La Liga behind Granada and Almeria, who are 19th yeah. and 20th, respectively. Almeria at least appeared destined to return to Segunda, having allowed nearly three goals a game to this point. Uh, they've, they've, that's been surprising how terrible they've been. Like, they weren't great last year, but they picked up enough points at home and had enough uh, solid players, um, especially in attack. They, they had enough... Um, going forward to stay in the top flight, but their defense is just, this is unsustainable for them. Yeah, I, th- I think this year, uh, the team that surprised me has done, done better in the bottom half, I guess, than I, than I would have thought was, is Cadiz. And I think the thing is, Cadiz is, is a little more like um, Almeria was last year, where, yes. they're, where their defense is decent enough and they're, and they're picking up enough points here and there that they'll that they'll probably be okay but Almeria um I mean they haven't had a lot of luck either but um Almeria looked looked pretty dreadful and Granada looked pretty dreadful too um so those two seem unless there's major changes that happen those two seem pretty destined for the drop to me but hard to know we always we always have you know you look at teams that in february that look dead in the water and there's always one or two that that end up getting a new coach bounce or just suddenly gelling and you know and and turning things around so but those two seem seems pretty hard uh the ones that surprise me um i'm still confused by celta i I yeah. don't understand how they... <laughs> I don't understand sure. how Iago Aspas just can't score goals anymore. That's that's very concerning, I think, for them, because he is still their talisman. Um, they've had some yeah. bad luck looking at some of the numbers, but one win from 12, I don't know how safe Rafa Benitez's job really is. It is, yeah. Well, and they've got some... They've got, you know, they also sold players and didn't really do much with the money and and again maybe that's you know maybe i don't know what their finances are like but maybe that's part of it 
But uh, yeah, it is surprising. Although I will say, Aspas had a, he's pretty good at going after VAR monitors. I was, <laughs> I, was I was, I was so happy to see that. And I was convinced he was going to get like a three or four game suspension, but he gets off scot free. Um, I thought for sure he was going to take one for the team. It's even better that he didn't get punished for that. That was, yeah, delightful. It, was pretty, it was pretty wild. But um, yeah, Salta is, is, is a problem. And Sevilla aren't, doing that well either i mean i think they're i think they're you know certainly good enough to stay up but they're not i expected more from them like there's confusion uh for both of us i think as to what Villarreal's plan is i'm even more flummoxed as to what honored sevilla are doing because they win the europa league under mendelibar and they keep him on they remove the the interim tag from him they keep him on uh, for this season, which implies that they're going to try to build a project with him, except Mendelebar mm-hmm. isn't really a project manager. So they, they take the decision, which is probably the right one, to sack him, bring in Diego Alonso, and they they were dreadful against Arsenal in midweek. I think they had one shot on target, one shot attempt for the entire game. Arsenal just choked the life out of him. Um, and they won only twice this year. Uh, it's... I think Sevilla yeah, kind of they they shelled out to compete for La Liga in 2021 and 2022 with older players kind of going away from the formula, uh, the scouting strategy that made them so successful. And now they're they're paying the cost. Yeah, and I think you know I think that in a lot of ways um, they've they've had the same problem that we've had, and that you can have you can have play you know. Some players can play the 30 to 35 year period. Some players can, can, you know, start wearing out at 30, some at 35, a few can go on beyond that. But it's those years between 30 and 35 where there seems to be a lot of variation in how, in how players just can recover from games. And, and I think what we've seen this year is that you know, some of our guys who are 35, 36 are really struggling now where two years ago they weren't. And Sevilla seems to have had the same problem where there, where there's just these um, older players that just aren't, aren't doing it anymore. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's strange. Um, they may not even make the Europa league. You know, they may, they may actually finish fourth yeah. in their champions. League. <laughs> Which is the only saving um, grace for them annually is to finish third in the Champions League group and then win the Europa League. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and so yeah, that's a that's a tough one. It's it's been um, yeah, it's been years since uh, since I've been this perplexed by. I mean, Sevilla's often had slow starts, and some years they've had they've gotten to a certain point in the season and, and then concentrated on winning the Europa League, but they're yeah i'm a little bemused about them and and i think celta who i haven't really seen play much yet but just from what i have seen they really need some help um and i'm not sure where it's going to come from mallorca is a team that's really disappointed me too i really liked what they did over the summer even after selling uh Lee Kang in, I, I thought they did a nice job replenishing around him, and I thought they could make a serious push for a European place. They now sit seventeenth <laughs> with one win from twelve. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that they would that they would have been that strong, but I I think that they um, 
I don't think that they have enough to build around. Yeah. Frankly, um, I think that I think their, you know, their problem is when you look at their roster, you've got some guys who have been who have been at Mallorca a while, but hardly are household names, and then. It, it's a it's you're you're, tr- you're trying to do a lot of filling in i think and that's and that's hard um if you've got it's hard unless you've got a couple of really good strikers or you've got a world-class goalkeeper or or something um or you can play you can you can play defense you're strong enough defensively but you can eke out the one one and one nil results and and stay up and you know maybe they can do that, but they don't. They haven't really been inspiring. Yeah, I really liked the the Dardare purchase. I'm a big Sergi Dardare fan. Uh, Kyle Laren scored a bunch of goals for them at the end of last season. Um, yeah, Bananes yeah, from Real, yeah. Uh, for a pretty pretty reasonable sum, uh, but it just hasn't worked. And Aguirre is kind of like Mendelibar in the sense that he's not a guy you build a project for. He's a fireman, a good one, but he's a yeah. fireman. Who's a fireman? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have to say that it's. I think it will be interesting to see. Um, what is this? This is the last international break for a while, right? I'm trying to remember Thankfully, how they yes, how until, they run. until March and then come the Euros. Yeah, so I think I think basically what we'll see, you know what we'll see now. I'm thinking probably. It'll be there'll be some hiring and firing in March um, when these teams when you, when you're looking at teams that are in the bottom five and thinking oh I've got to get out of here yeah um, you know and hopefully we're not one of them <laughs> I, I just wonder um, in that vein what the bandwidth is going to be for Benitez at Celta even with his reputation what the bandwidth is going to be for Aguirre. Um, how long the leash Diego Alonso is going to get at Sevilla, given they've had quite a bit of managerial shakeup in recent years. Um, yeah, Al- the Alves seem to be recovering a bit, but they're still down there toward the relegation fight in 14th. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know. Rafa, to me, I don't know. I, Celta, there's just something, it, it's, it's like with us, there's something not right there. Yeah, behind the scenes or something. I'm not sure. I, I think it's. The, but, I think it's the president Mourinho. Yeah, could be. I mean, when when um, one thing that I had never fully appreciated um, until Elisa and I walked the Camino to Santiago is how far away <laughs> Vigo is from everything. Yeah, um, it's remote. You know, and it's like way out there in Galicia. <laughs> You are um, talk about it's almost like I mean it's not quite like Las Palmas, but it's the same kind of deal where where you are. It's really it's you're you're the only thing in town, I guess. So it's so it's really it's really you know great if you're if you're there and and the team has massive support in in that area, but. Um, you know, for the rest of Spain, they just don't pay a lot of attention to them. <laughs> it's so far away from everything. Oh yeah, it's like ugh. so. Um, I think uh, it seems like the only the only times that I um, think about Celta are when we play them, and and I haven't seen enough of them this year to to get a sense but yeah evidently the president is a is a problem and there's all sorts of 
you know, stuff going on there. So institutionally, it seems bad, and that's never ever a good sign. They've had close calls before. Uh, with yeah. relegation, staying in the top flight. I don't know how much longer they can keep getting away with it. I, I yeah, I almost, I almost think if they, if they stay up, it's going to be because either Aspas, you know, has drinks the elixir of youth or something. <laughs> I mean, they've relied on him so much over the years. At some point, it's, it's. It just seems like if if your if your recipe for success for staying in the first division is basically to rely on Aspas to carry you, at some point he's just not going to be able to do it. I mean, he's had great success with them, obviously, and he's been a you know he's a talismanic player. And I, and but I they just haven't surrounded him with anybody. And, and when they when it feels like they start to, then those players leave. They get yeah. They get hurt or they get sold. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 just it's a curious um, a curious thing. Um, so I don't know. It's I'm I'm I'll be curious to see when we go into the Christmas break where things stand, and I'll be really curious at the at the March break because I think they're going to be some pretty desperate teams at that point. Unless, unless they're so far behind that they basically pulled the plug, mm. and, you know. So, well, if if there's one thing, however, I'm sure Atleti is not going to be one of those teams. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> but it, it it is going to be interesting to see how our defense plays over the course of the season. Um, Oblak is not having a great year. Uh, I wrote a column on him last week. Uh, he statistically has been among the worst keepers in the league again. And we have an old defense. Uh, Aspilicueta is 34. Axel Witzel is 34. Stefan Savage is uh, about to be 33, and uh, mm-hmm. he's starting to decline. Jose Jimenez is 28, but he has the body of someone who's much older. Uh, yeah. Mario Hermoso is inconsistent, to say the least. Volatile. Let's let's call him volatile. Um, yeah. Charles Soyunj has been hurt most of the year, but is one of our few young-ish central defenders. Yeah, I think. Well, I think a lot of that depends on. Yeah, you're at that. You're at that stage where where experience starts to give way to old. Just old. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, 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 in some ways, though, I think I think it's maybe a little easier on the if it's it's easier with with the back line i think um in some ways to deal with to, to deal with players who are who are that age because they're not i don't know that they're getting the are the, are they getting the the same amount of distance traveled in the match as somebody like an attacking midfielder or right. a defensive midfielder I, I doubt it so you know, but it's it's also the fact that if though with Simeone, he's got a system and he's got a plan, and, and you know where you fit into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really hard when your when your body is is breaking down and you're not really even sure what you're supposed to be doing, and that's something that I think has happened a bit with um, with a couple of our players, but. I don't know. But yeah, I think the defense for you guys is probably going to be the key in, in terms of where you finish in the in the league because I think the I mean, I, I 
I've always liked Griezmann. I think he's a great player. Well, I didn't like him at Barcelona, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> Neither did I. Um, <laughs> but um, but you know, I've always liked him, and I think the I think the fact that um, I think overall I wouldn't worry too much about where the the, the goals will come enough if the defense is strong enough. Yeah, and Griezmann and Morata have been on they. It's been a lethal strike partnership this season. Um, I know. It's has, like I, I, I almost watch it and I think, I, you know, Morata, maybe he's actually good. This kind of worries me. This is a, <laughs> a, a, a sustained period of form from him as I've seen in years, um, as, especially as a fixed starter. The last time that he played really this consistently well is when he was a super sub at Real Madrid. And that was yeah, that's years ago. That's going back a long way. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's strange. I mean, it's like, he's, he's kind of a, he's a player everybody likes, likes to make fun of. And it's like, well, what if he's actually good? Better late than never, you know, even <laughs> yeah. if he's, he's 31 yeah. now, it seems like he's taken a real leadership position on, on the team. The younger Spanish players that we have look up to him. Uh, Rodrigo mm-hmm. Riquelme got called up to the national team today, which is just wonderful yeah, news for him. That, which is great. Uh, they, yeah, they, had, they had an embrace at training on Friday morning. It was really cool to see. Yeah, cool. Um, what age is Griezmann now? Thirty-two. He turns uh, thirty-three early wow. next year. He's. I mean, the way he throws himself into to matches, it's like that's pretty. It's pretty impressive. He he's still. I mean, he. he you know, he he picks his spots, but wow, he's he's still a great player. There's really 32. no one like him, Alan. Is kind of the thing. Uh, he played in midfield in midweek uh, against Celtic. And just it doesn't really matter where he plays. He's going to track back into defense. He's going to work hard to win the ball. He's not going to mm-hmm. insist on finishing moves or playing the final pass to finish moves. He'll play an auxiliary role. He'll you know head a pass from midfield onto a non-rushing fullback uh, and and start a move that way. He he doesn't care really anymore who gets the credit or how the credit is doled out. He really wanted to come back to Atletico and play for Simeone again. And the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's paid off. He's having a weird year this year. Uh, he led La Liga in assists last year with 16. He has none so far this year, which is pretty strange. Uh, but he's scoring. He's got uh, 11 goals in 15 games. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I think you're 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 right that he is one of the. And of course, in modern in modern football, those sorts of players are really valued because anymore the the, the you know the the old rigid systems are just not used as much anymore. It, it's all about fluidity on the pitch, and and it's like with us. I think our most our our most valuable player is probably Gerard. He can't do everything that that um, that um, Griezmann can. He certainly is not the, the guy who can track back in defense, but he has always been great at being able to sense spaces in the in the attacking half of the of the pitch and he can be the provider he can be the scorer you know it's that same kind of thing you yeah. know it's like well where is he playing well he he's playing wherever he needs to play <laughs> there's not <laughs> yeah same way you know and it's, yeah yeah i think that i think the um i think the he's he is very unusual though in that he's in that he is, um, he can defend as well as as well as attack. Um, most players um, can do 
even if they're really good at, at being more of a, of a, of a attacker who can do various things, they're not necessarily great at, um, at tracking back. I was, I was thinking about, um, somebody like Samu Chukwese in that, in that way, because, you know, he's a guy who, if he, if he were playing 20 years ago, I mean, he was like Arjun Robin, right? He would, he would, you would just sort of shuttle him up and down the wing and he would do no defense. He would just be the lethal guy in, in, in the attack. And those sorts of players anymore aren't valued as much. Yep. It's like um, when I played basketball in elementary school, I would try so hard defensively, but it just wouldn't happen. Um, so I, I would do what my, my coach is called cherry picking. I would, my team would rather defend four on five than have me defend with them. I would just be hanging out around half court, just waiting for the ball to get to me. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that, Chukwese, of course, couldn't do that because of the offside rule, particularly, but yeah. you're right. It, but you're but you're right there. He actually did get better. Um, I think Emery really, really, you know, kind of uh, made him a better defender. But still, he was never um, somebody that that was his forte. You know. But it's like you look at the you look at the uh, and the other thing is you know center backs who you know you used to have the center backs who if they got past the the um, the center line it was like they needed oxygen or something, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's just this thing where everywhere because so many teams are pressing and you're, and you're playing a high line and your, 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 your role is much different than it used to be. And that's kind of makes it, it's, it's interesting, but it does mean that there are players who are the values for certain players are now different than they were, 15, 20 years ago because the game has changed. It's so much more fluid. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's more, it's more like watching, um, it's more like watching, uh, I guess I would say, um, basketball with a, with a shot clock as opposed to basketball without a shot clock where, where, you know, you would get the ball, you would go into the opponent, into the opposition court, and then you would pass the ball around forever. (laughs) Um, You know, and you, you could, you could um, break a team down slowly and, and that kind of thing. But, and now, and you had particular players who did particular things and now it's much more fluid. Anyway, we're getting way off the topic, but it's just, So anyway, I, I I think what's your prediction for Sunday? We should we should make a score prediction, I guess. Yeah, yeah let's wrap up with the score prediction. Uh, I I think Villarreal have given us really they've asked a lot of us in recent years, and I, and I looked at the head to head, Alan, and over the past forty two meetings between these two teams, fourteen wins, fourteen draws, fourteen defeats for both of them. Atletico have scored one more goal than Villarreal across those 42 games. I think it's going to be tight, uh, but I will predict a 2-0 Atletico win with a, a really late second goal. Okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to... There are two ways I can look at this, and one of them is is to say, um, you know, that I mean, which I hope doesn't happen, is that we're just kind of flat and confused so I'm not I, I don't want to go there I'm going to do a variant of what you say though I think it's going to be maybe 3-1 but I think your third goal was going to come very late I can I can see that 
Um, I just, I, I just think that um, I think there probably are going to be three goals in it for you guys, and I think we'll probably. I mean, sort of off as you said, he always scores against you, so we'll we'll figure he'll score for us. Yeah, I, I can see it happening, and Gerard's having now that he's healthy, he's having another very good season. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think, I think realistically, the other, the other thing that could happen would be, you know, if if everybody, uh, really, if if things really, the, the flip side of the well, what if we aren't motivated and don't play well? What if we really are um, on top of our game and have some, you know, maybe it's another two-two. I mean, I think they're going to be four goals in it probably. Mm. Well, as there have been, we haven't seen our defense. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's fair. <laughs> and you're uh, worried about yours, so. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, although the Celtic game was was great fun to watch, and it was hardly really, after the red card, it was hardly really a challenge. We'll see how much that changes at, at the weekend. Yep, yep. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, all right, I think we will leave it there. Alan, as ever, wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, great to talk to you. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a short pod one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. Well, good good luck for the rest of the season, except against us. <laughs> Thank you, you, you as well. Uh, and for our listeners, please read Virial USA, uh, our sister site on the SB Nation network of of blogs. Uh, you can find Atletico content, of course, at Into the Calderon. Um, and subscribe and listen to all our new and archived episodes on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, to continue listening to the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network. Until next time, thank you for listening. Adios.